I've been playing outdoors since I was a kid, standing by the front door at around two years old, hollering, side, side, trying to get my mom to let me go play outside. Now, after 30 plus years working in the outdoor business, I'm dropping insider conversations every week with brand leaders, guides, marketers, CEOs, and others that make the outdoor business a trillion dollar juggernaut that drives product innovation, revenue, and public policy for everything outdoors. I'm Rick Says. Welcome to the Outdoor Biz Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Adam just returned from a seven-night cruise aboard Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas. Right down the road from his place, he lives in New Jersey, and the ship left from Bayonne, New Jersey. How you doing, Adam? Pretty good. Thank you for having me, Doug. How far is the cruise pier from your place? Without traffic, about 45 minutes. Okay. Let's take a step back here. So this was you and the wife. What made y'all want to take this seven-night cruise out of New Jersey? Since it's out of New Jersey, this is the first time we've ever done a cruise out of our home port without having to fly. And my wife and I just wanted to get away. First time away from the child. So we just wanted something that was quick, convenient, that we can didn't have to take an extra night, have time to ourselves, and then get back as soon as possible to be back with our lovely little one. Very cool. So you make your way to Cape Liberty to embark Oasis of the Seas. Now, what kind of pre-cruise um, documentation or paperwork does Royal Caribbean require? Like, are you uploading your vaccination card and stuff before you get to the pier? We were. We were one of the last couple of weeks of doing that. Our cruise was in August, and by September, they had changed their methods of what they are requiring or not requiring anymore. Uh, but we did have to do the vaccination cards and pre-cruise testing. Okay. And then for uh, like curb to the ship, how long did it take to get through embarkation? Once we were able to park, it was about 10 minutes. The problem is there's only one route in and out of that in, that uh, pier, mm-hmm. and you are stuck in whatever traffic that is going in to let out the luggage and let people off and or get picked up from the last cruise. So if you do not get there really early, expect to wait in the car for about a half an hour. But once you get parked, uh, it's only about 10 minutes through. How many ships is it just one? I know there's like some uh, has a cargo area to there is how many cruise ships can it accommodate at one time? Is it just one? I would think just one. Yeah. All I've seen them sail from there is either one ship at a time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. So you make your way on board Oasis. What were your first impressions of the ship? It was our first Oasis class ship. It was large. It was very interesting to have the neighborhoods. But surprisingly, it flows very nicely, and it does allow you to really figure out where you are based on what neighborhood you're in. Very cool. What kind of stateroom did you book on this seven-night cruise, and what did you think of it? It was a balcony Central Park stateroom. It was a standard one. It was not a, it was not a suite or anything. It was a change of pace doing a balcony that was not facing the water, but I got to say, a balcony facing Central Park is very nice. They always have music at night. And they, whether it's a guitarist or a piano player, and it's soft music, and it's nice to sit out there, listen to the music, that fake uh, cricket sound they have sometimes at night. It's actually quite peaceful, and and it's just just a different experience that some people might like. Yeah, I'm just curious, what was the decision, like the initial decision behind that um, inward-facing balcony? It was due to my travel agent having a special rate okay. because they booked multiple rooms. Awesome. And so we were able to get that cheaper than we got uh, or about the same price as we would have gotten in an interior. Do you think you'd do it again? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, if the price is right, obviously. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Let's talk about dining on board um, Oasis here. And we'll start at the top at the Windjammer, which is the buffet area. How was the food, the quality, the service and everything up there? My wife and I had the ultimate dining package. So we did experience as many restaurants as we could, both complimentary and specialty. And we did try the Windjammer a couple times. But I must say, of the Windjammers of Royal Caribbean, this was probably my least favorite. And it's not because the quality was any different. The quality was the same. It just seems that on those Oasis-class ships, or at least most of them, the Windjammer size was purposely shrunk. And it's not nearly as big. And you have more passengers. And if they don't know the other restaurants, all those other restaurants that are on the ship, and they all end up going there, which a lot of them do, you have less options, less chairs, and just more crowd. So mm-hmm. we were only there a couple of times because of that. Gotcha. Now, did you do any nights in the main dining room or do you do all the uh, like specialty restaurants, the whole cruise? The only main dining room we did was a breakfast and that was very good, but mm-hmm. uh, we did not do main dining room for dinner. Well, let's talk about that ultimate dining package you got. So uh, let us know where you dined and what you think of it. Let's start with, we did Giovanni's Table twice. It's the Italian restaurant located in Central Park. Very good food, very good quality. The service was phenomenal. They offered us multiple entrees, even though I'm not sure if they're supposed to do that. It was just very good. I can't say enough about how on top of it and the quality they had there. Almost all the specialty dining was in Central Park, which was interesting. They had 150 Central Park. This was one of my favorite specialty restaurants on any of the cruise lines, include Royal Caribbean, Norwegian, Celebrity, that we've done. It was just very, very, very good quality. I would put that restaurant up against anyone's. Mm-hmm. Chops Grill, also in Central Park. I liked it pretty much hit the nail on the head for every other Royal Caribbean Chops Grill that's out there. If I was to go for a steak, though, truthfully, I'd probably go to 150 Central Park over Chops Grill. Not saying anything bad about Chops Grill, but I just thought 150 Central Park was a step above. Hmm. We did Izumi Abachi. Very good restaurant, as always. is a hibachi restaurant. Very good quality. Very good show. Surprisingly, on this ship, though, there was only, I think, one and a half tables of hibachi. So if you want hibachi, you better register for it first day as soon as you get on the ship because they will book out pretty quickly. We also did portside barbecue. We did that for lunch. And the one thing I got to say is that one was I did not find very good. We found that we would rather go to the complimentary restaurants over portside. Maybe we just ordered the wrong things. Uh, A couple of the other customers that we met at the restaurant They said if we tried some other things that we probably would have liked it better, but we found a lot of the food very bland. Hmm. Okay. And finally, Playmakers. Again, Playmakers, great bar food. It's definitely worth the price, even without the dining package. Someone might want to go there to avoid crowds in other places, and it's definitely worth trying their desserts and their wings or their pulled pork sandwiches. I liked all of it. So what is the difference between 150 Central Park and Chops? I would say the difference is just what they offer. It's a little bit different other than the steaks themselves. They offered uh, a pork dish, which was phenomenal. Some seafood dishes, which were great. And the desserts were more natural ingredients, I think was what they were promoting. 
but I just found the quality and the variety that they offered at 150 Central Park just to be a step above almost any restaurant I've had on a cruise ship. And the portside barbecue, you said you didn't really care for that that much. Was it just like not authentic barbecue to you? We got the mac and cheese. It was extremely bland. We got the pulled pork sandwich. I much preferred the sliders stuff that they offered at Playmakers in there. We also ordered fries and cornbread. They did not stand out by any stretch of the imagination. Other passengers did recommend the smoked turkey and said that was really good. But again, we didn't order that. So we did not try that again. Gotcha. Okay. Fair enough. How about the entertainment on this seven night cruise? What did you and the wife think about it? The theater show was Cats. So that's a very dated show. So we did not want to go see that one. Mm -hmm. But the other two they had were the ice skating show. I can never say enough wonderful things about Royal Caribbean's ice skating shows. Every single one I've been to on any of the ships has been top notch. And this one was no exception. And the Aqua 80 show, which is their water show, there's nothing like it on any other ship. I don't know what else to say. Those Aqua shows are very unique, entertaining, different, and just phenomenal athletes. The best way to describe it, it's like world-class athletes from Olympics, from gymnastics, diving, tightrope walking, and synchronized swimmers all in some kind of choreographed show with music and lights. Yeah. It it is phenomenal. Not to mention the logistics behind all that with the direction the ship has to be sailing, the wind speed, everything taken into account for them to jump off that high dive. I was pointing out to my wife and just like all of a sudden someone's at the top. I was like, you better look up there. And you all of a sudden are surprised because the spotlight all of a sudden goes on someone that's so high up Mm -hmm. and they are diving into something that's really not that big. And you're like, all you can say is, wow. Yeah, it's unreal. How about music around the ship? Like uh, any local bars or um, venues that may have played like live mu- cover bands or acoustic players or anything like that? All the music and entertainment on the ship was above average of very good quality. We sat in the pub, listened to the guitars there for a while. The Central Park, we listened to multiple nights because right on the balcony and it's... and. If you ate al fresco at any of the restaurants, you also got that music. And it really felt like you weren't even on a ship. It felt like you were maybe outside in Central Park with Mm -hmm. someone busking music. It was just very, very calming and just a very good ambiance that they had going on. And also, I think they had the roving piano player that was in in elevators Mm -hmm. every now and then who's funny, entertaining, and it's a surprise when it happens. The entertainment never lacks on Royal. Yeah, uh, for sure. Did you do the zip line by chance? Yes, we did both the Ultimate Abyss and the zip line. What'd you think? Uh, it's a novelty. It's fun to do. I would definitely worth doing it. If you're going to do it, remember that you must have closed-toed shoes and you must have everything put away. You can't be wet. Otherwise, you're going to be running back to your room to do it, to get the stuff off you and to be able to ride it. The Ultimate Abyss, I thought, was a little bit more than a novelty. That was actually a lot of fun going down it. It's something to try. I would definitely recommend doing it at least once. With the Ultimate Abyss, I, like, I have this paranoia of getting stuck in water slides and closed spaces. Uh, like, I won't dare step foot on a Norwegian water slide because it just scared the <laughs> heck out of me. But, like, 
do you go fast enough where you don't have to, like when you're on that potato sack, do you go fast enough where you don't have to worry about stopping uh, when you're going down? Yeah, you're not going to stop. It, it, you, if you overcome the fear of going fast down a slide, mm-hmm. then you will have no problem going down it. It's not You're never going to get stuck on that thing. Gotcha. And how were the sea days as far as crowds and congestion? Interesting. You would need, let's put it this way, the double occupancy full ship, as they list on the websites, is 5,400 people. We sailed with 6,300 people. And the max capacity as According to the crew with 6,700 people. So more than double occupancy, almost approaching their max capacity that they can have on the ship is what we had. If you do not get upstairs to a chair by nine o'clock in the morning, you're not going to be able to get shade or you're not going to get a chair that you want, most likely. It was packed. There's always chairs available on the sun deck or something along those lines. But if you wanted shade, you got to get up and get your chair. How does Royal do? I know that you, these bigger Oasis class ships kind of pull the connection from the water away just a little bit. But as far as the pool space, is it a, is it a big enough space for carrying 6,000 plus passengers? I mean, the pools were crowded. They definitely were. Uh, that made us not want to go in it at times, depending on how crowded it was. But overall, I mean, they did have four pools in the main area. And then they also had the solarium, which also had a little pool and tubs over there. So they did spread everyone out pretty well, but it can get crowded with 6,300 people on the ship. Yeah, for sure. So as far as like um, lines for the buffet or specialty restaurants or anything like that on sea days with that many people on board, was it challenging at all? That type restaurants on sea days. So the Mexican place, a local fresh. You went there for lunch on a sea day. There was a decent line. Now the line moved, but you were waiting about 15 minutes, 10 minutes to get through the line that was there. The buffet, I already mentioned that was, I would not recommend going to the buffet when there's that many people. Windjammer, that is. The Solarium buffet, though, was something I would recommend going to. It is lesser known than the main buffet in Windjammer. It has pretty much everything that the Windjammer has and breakfast, including that does have an egg station, although you need to look for it because it's not actually labeled that you can order your eggs the way you want it. It has all the other foods that you would want at breakfast and it's just less of a line. So Solarium Bistro, which is the buffet by the Solarium, I would definitely recommend. But yes, depending on which restaurant you went to, you could hit lines. And how about like Sorrento's and what is it called down there? Cafe Promenade? Both Sorrento's and Cafe Promenade could have lines at times, but we found that if you went, just went down there just to grab a slice of pizza, it was it was OK. Gotcha. And we always do grab a slice of pizza here and there at Sorrento's just because it's a good option. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Always. As far as the casino area with the smoking situation in and around the casino, was the smoke noticeable? When you weren't in the casino, it wasn't really noticeable. But when you were in the casino, it was noticeable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one thing I got to say that Norwegian does is with their enclosures that they're starting to do on their ships. It does make the smoking section a true smoking section and the non-smoking section a true non-smoking section. I would hope that uh, the other cruise lines start to copy because that would help a lot. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, let's talk about your ports of call on this seven-night Bahamas and Florida cruise. So what we'll do here is give us the first port of call and the highlight, and we'll move to the next one. 
Well, because these are stops that we've been to, we did not uh, partake on Port Canaveral or on Nassau because we've been there numerous times. The only stop that we actually got off on was Perfect Day. And on Perfect Day, we did the Cocoa Beach Club for the first time. Nice. What'd you think? I thought Cocoa Beach Club was a great day in general. It costs a lot. I think we spent over $400 to do it for the two of us. But if you get there early, they have seven of the cushioned loungers, day beds, you would guess you would say they are. And we got there early and we were able to get one of those day beds. And it was it was just very relaxing day all the way through. The food was top of the line. The bartenders, they had so many bartenders working the bar there that you were never waiting more than two minutes for a drink. And they were sold out in the Cocoa Beach Club. So it shows that they really did handle things. They had one restaurant. So for your lunch, you were going to go there. I recommend making reservations the day before so you get the time you want. Otherwise, when you get there, you're getting stuck with whatever time they have available. You're going to eat, but it might be a little later than you want. The only drawback I would give to the Cocoa Beach Club compared to anywhere else is they did not have any quick serve items. So if you wanted to grab a snack or a bite, other than when you first arrive, they have some danishes out. You can't do that, unlike when you're uh, on the island itself and you could just go to one of the snack shacks and grab a, a, grab a chicken sandwich or some mozzarella sticks. They don't have any quick serve items there. Gotcha. Oh, were you the only ship in port? Yes. Okay. So a nice day there. And then after perfect day, did you hit Nassau? We did hit Nassau. We didn't get off. We to- chose to do a ship day there and just enjoy a little bit less crowds on the ship. Do you uh, find that a lot of people on your sailing, I know because you're coming from New Jersey, so um, like sailing from Florida, Nassau isn't really a novelty for a lot of us who sail from here, but is it more so of a novelty for guests sailing, you know, a ship coming from Jersey area? I would say maybe... 20% of the ship got off at Florida, mm-hmm. maybe 25%. Again, I think people coming from New Jersey, I mean, Florida is an easy plane ride from sure. us and New, New Jersey, New York area. So a lot of people have been to Florida and done Florida. And then Nassau, again, is one of the most popular cruise stops on any itinerary. So people who've done cruising on the Eastern Caribbean, you're stopping at Nassau almost always. Mm-hmm. And So I'd say about half the ship got off for Nassau. That port area is sure coming together quite nicely, though. I'm looking forward to when it's finished. There was a lot of construction going on when we were there. Mm -hmm. And then what did you have, a couple days at sea before you got back into Jersey? Yes. So I think it was a day at sea, uh, the three ports, two days at sea back. So you make your way back home. How was Debark out of Cape Liberty? Debark was very, very easy. You get out. There's none of the dropping off of bags that you had to deal with coming in. So you mm-hmm. can just get to your car and you you pay before you get to your car and then you're off. So are they using like the facial recognition there or is it a customs agent checking your passport manually? I believe it was a facial recognition. But again, we were off so fast. I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> gotcha. Well, uh, do you have any first time tips to offer anyone sailing Oasis of the Seas? I just say... Enjoy as much as you can. Don't worry about trying to do everything. Just pick out what you really want to do because there's just so much to offer on the ship. Mm-hmm. And then also make your reservations for what you want, whether it's show the theater shows, restaurants, the first day you get there, just to make sure you get 
what restaurants you want or what shows you want and the times you want to go. Okay. You, I, I'm like, I was going to ask you, you were talking about like making those reservations early. Could you not reserve these ahead of time before your cruise, these restaurants? If you have a dining plan, you can't. Okay. If you don't have a dining plan and you want to pay up front when you book, you can. That makes sense. Right. It's not a problem. I, that is not an issue. I would highly recommend if you want to do the specialty restaurants, which I believe are better quality sure. than the main restaurants, I would highly recommend doing a dining plan, whether it's a three-nighter or a ultimate, if you really like the food, to do that type of thing, because you will get such a better price. And if as long as you make the reservations on the first day, you will get the times you want. Gotcha. It's not a big deal. The only thing, the only one that you will struggle with is you really need to make the reservations for the Ibachi first thing because mm-hmm. there's just so few seatings on the Oasis by ships. I was just talking to someone yesterday. Um, I was interviewing someone on a Norwegian ship, I believe it was, and we were talking about teppanyaki restaurants on board ships and how much they've changed. Like now, like the Norwegian Encore or Norwegian Prima has like 10 tables in there. Where when they first came out, you know, 10, 13 years ago, maybe one or two tables and they call it a teppanyaki restaurant. I'm surprised they have so few on the Oasis class mm-hmm. that they do. Yeah, that's a interesting dynamic there. So looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this seven night cruise? Coco Cay and the beach club that they put out there. It is definitely luxury relaxation. If you're willing to put up the coin, I would definitely highly recommend it. Gotcha. And your final thoughts of Oasis of the Seas? It's a great ship, definitely worth doing. It's not for everyone because it is so big and there is so much. And if you're worried about missing out on something on the ship on on going on a cruise, you might want to go on a slightly smaller, large ship. But uh, it's definitely worth trying at least once. Definitely try an Oasis class ship. Very good. I've been talking with Adam about his seven-night Florida Bahamas cruise on Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas. It was the world's largest cruise ship back when it debuted in 2009. Adam, thank you so much for stopping by again, my friend. Great talking to you. Thank you for having me, Doug. Have a question or a comment for the show? Yeah! Send an email or voice memo to Doug at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.